today on Ag News Daily. So when we started, uh, everyone said farmers will never use computers, and uh, I kind of thought, no, I think they will. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Pearson here, co-host of the Ag News Daily podcast, joined as ever by my co-host Delaney Howell. And Delaney, how you doing today? Mike, I think I'm getting sick. No shenanigans. You're not getting sick. You're just tired from a weekend full of celebrations. Yeah, that probably too. Yeah, you uh, you know just load yourself up with some cough syrup, pass out for about 13 <laughs> hours, and you'll be good to go tomorrow. I know. I have not really done a whole lot today. I've been eating my chicken noodle soup, taking some emergency, some Sudafed. Well, that's all good. Have you had a hot toddy yet? No, I'm not a hot toddy fan. Oh, but you know a hot toddy. Yeah. The whiskey and... Uh, Fireball sometimes, it? cinnamon. Cinnamon. I feel like there's one other beverage that gets blended in it. Water, maybe? Yeah, I think water. Or sometimes Warm- people will put like lemon or honey yes honey that's what i was thinking of yeah well that'll probably do you some good and it will help uh you know as long as you're drinking some good corn bourbon that'll help bring down the uh, overall corn carryout so you'll be doing okay. farmers a favor there you go yeah but other than your illness what other news do you have for us today on this hashtag tech tuesday edition of the podcast well pretty much Right after we dropped yesterday's podcast, we had some big news coming out. Of course, I'm sure a lot of folks by now know what that news is, and that's that we are actually going to get a second round of of payments from the Farmer Assistance Package, or the Farmer Bailout Program, as we call it. It's looking very similar to the first one. It's going to be another billion in funds, and it's largely going to be like the first round direct payments to farmers. If you've already signed up for the first round, you don't have to do anything. They should just transfer those funds again into your bank account. But if you haven't signed up because you're waiting to see perhaps if a second round was going to get, you know, put into effect here, you have until I think January 29th or 30th. 19, something like that, to get that signed up and done. So hopefully harvest is wrapped up by then and you can yeah. know your production and uh, get in there and get your government cheese. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that was big news. Trump announced it as as usual on his Twitter feed, mm-hmm. and then uh, Sonny Perdue came out and said, yep, we got this notice and here are the details, and yeah, it's the... Uh, the other half of that dollar sixty-five for soybeans, you get your full penny a bushel now for corn, and uh, I forget the wheat payment. I don't have that chart open in front of me, but there's uh, you know something in right. there for wheat and almonds instead of, and instead of fifty uh, on fifty percent of your production, you get all of your production now. Right. So instead of half a cent for corn, now you get your full mm-hmm. penny on uh, on your production. So yeah, that is. It is good news. You can get out there. Hopefully some of those funds will be deposited before the Christmas holiday. For those mm-hmm. of you who have maybe procrastinated on gift buying, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit during our Tech Tuesday interview with Joe Dales about some farmer-appropriate gifts, won't we, Delaney? Yes, we will. One particular one in uh 
particular, I suppose. But, um, you know, I've also got some news today. We did have uh, more reports that China has stepped back yeah. into the soybean market. We don't know how many bushels or how many tons of corn China purchased today. Mm -hmm. But there was confirmation from the U.S. Soybean Export Council that China did jump in and purchase some additional bushels of soybean today. And, uh, you know, didn't hurt the market, which is better move than last week. When every day that China made a purchase, we were down. So... We'll get to the markets here a little bit before we talk to Joe Dales. But, yeah, that's a little news update I had for us, Delaney. Yeah, I saw that, too, an unknown quantity. So I don't know if that'll get reported in next week's export sales numbers. I assume so. It'll come out on Thursday for sure. We'll get a uh, an update. But if there was no USDA flash sale, then mm -hmm. it wasn't over 100,000. Uh, metric tons, I suppose. Mm -hmm. So that's not a great sign unless they're waiting. Who knows? It's China. Yeah. They do things weird. Well, and going back, sorry, I just, I just had this thought flash across my mind. So going back to the MFP payment things, if the government shuts down, that is not going to be funded. I was reading an article, I think on AgWeb or right. DTM this morning. So yeah, if they, we don't. It will be funded, but not until the government's back open. Right. Yeah, so yeah. If you're relying on those for your uh, Christmas payments, or I mean Christmas, you know, funds. I uh, don't think I'd bank my money on that. Although we did hear President Trump came out a little bit ago and said that uh, he's willing to find other ways to fund the wall, including looking at some of the savings in the USMCA agreement and saying that's how Mexico is going to pay for this wall. So perhaps a government shutdown is maybe a little bit less likely, but. It's a volatile time in D.C. I'd hate to be mm -hmm. making predictions uh, based on a, on a couple of tweets. But perhaps we're a little bit less likely to see the government shut down and slow down those payments if that's something you're already waiting for. And we do have a little bit of news about the farm bill coming out this week. So House Speaker Paul Ryan is scheduled to sign the bill on Wednesday and then send it off to President Trump. I didn't realize he had to sign it before President Trump did. But they're so I guess a lot of people are. Circulating rumors that they're expecting to see him sign that probably on Thursday. Okay. Well, you know, I guess fingers crossed that it actually gets across the finish line here before the new Congress takes effect. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got some news out of California. We've got a new, not a new, but a new outbreak of a uh, chicken disease. This is called virulent Newcastle disease, and it has been found in a commercial chicken flock in Riverside County, California. They say this is part of an outbreak that California has seen since May of this year, but uh, this is the first time it's been seen so far in backyard, you know, poultry flocks, the kind of, you know, hippies with their egg layers in the backyard type of situation. They've had this disease. This is the first time in a commercial poultry setting since 2003. Similar to African swine fever, there's no risk to people if you're eating pork that, or if you're eating, excuse me, poultry that has this disease. Um, if you're working with birds that are sick, there's a possibility you can be infected with this Newcastle uh, disease, but it's basically like the flu. Hmm. So it's not the end of the world, but I don't know what they're going to do. They say they're going to contain the outbreak and then work to eradicate it, which to me sounds like all these chickens are... Uh, meeting their maker a little bit early, but ah. they didn't confirm that. So it's that, safe so to I'm eat sure. the chicken if they've had this disease? Yep. As long as it's fully cooked, you're you're good to go. What's the temperature you're supposed to cook chicken to, Mike? Until it's done. It's chicken. Who cares? No, there's like a... Uh, the I think fluids it's aren't red. I think it's 160. Is that chicken? 
I want to say yes. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. It's chicken. I mean, you can't really overcook it. Yes, you can. Well, you can, but then you just put more ranch dressing on it, and you're good to go. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. It's quite the theory. I mean, it's chicken. It's not like you're, you know. You're not eating pork or beef right, anyways. Right, yeah. I mean, chicken, you're not necessarily eating it for the flavor, right? Okay. You're eating chicken because it's an affordable, um, healthy. high it's healthy protein. It's yeah. healthy. Exactly. There are a lot of benefits for chicken, but you don't go, mmm, boy, tonight I'm going to grill up a chicken breast and eat it. I, I won't even need any sauce. Ta- okay, well, yeah, I guess I always marinate it first. Exactly. You put something on it. A steak mm-hmm. or a pork chop, you can just eat, you know, right off the grill and be happy as a clam. A chicken <laughs> breast, you're going to want to put something on that bad boy. You're right. going to need a little flavor. I suppose that's probably true. Yeah, so just cook the heck out of your chicken, okay. you know, especially if it's coming from Riverside County, California. That's nice. All right. Well, going off of that a little bit, looking still at the animal health industry and more specifically antibiotic usage, the FDA released reports today that livestock antibiotic usage has fallen by a third. We saw the highest year of antimicrobial usage. Uh, I think it was 2016, 2015, I'm sorry, was the highest year for that usage. Between the years of 2016 and 2017, we saw that usage Sales and distribution and usage of microbials dropped 33% and have dropped 41% in total since 2015, which was that peak year. So FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb said he is encouraged by this. It shows that producers are trying to do preventative things as opposed to turning to antimicrobials. And I think he's excited because it you know, kind of goes with the overall feeling and unfortunately in the consumer groups that these things are bad, we shouldn't use them, they make people become resistant to them, etc, etc. But we are seeing as a whole the industry move away from using a lot of these things or using them in a correct Mm -hmm. manner, maybe more so than usual. Yeah, more sparingly, which is Mm -hmm. good news. Hopefully it'll shut up some of those wacky consumers and hopefully it's saving some of the producers that are utilizing it in a more uh, specified way. Hopefully it's saving them some dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Antibiotics sure aren't cheap. No. So that is good news. Now, while we're talking livestock, Jolene, I've got an update from North Carolina and the Smithfield hog Mm. lawsuits that have been going on down there. Um, A jury determined last Wednesday that there was a group of eight neighbors and they were successful in suing Smithfield. And the jury said they should be compensated for odors, flies and noises from the hog facility. And a federal judge today decided there was, excuse me, late last week, I'm just getting this news, declared late last week there was not enough evidence for them to pursue punitive damages. So this judge has shut down that lawsuit um, despite the fact the jury believed they should have gotten something for their troubles. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this does nothing for the three other lawsuits, which have already resulted more than uh, $500 right. million dollars in awards to in, uh, punitive damages. All right, then. Well, let's see. Um, the last piece of news I have for today, Mike, is just an update, quick update on the EU trade talks. As we know, we had quite a few groups go last week uh, to present their cases in front of the U.S. Trade Representative's office and some folks from the Trump administration saying ag needs to be part of this trade deal. They said that about the EU. They said that about trade talks with Japan, etc. 
Well, we have a follow-up to that, and apparently more than 50 ag groups sent a letter, a joint letter, to U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer today that said if agriculture is excluded, they will not support the negotiations, let alone congressional approval of a final deal. Huh. Wow. I mean, kind of swinging a heavy hammer there, it sounds like. They said that agriculture needs to be included. We need access to some of these markets especially the EU markets. So, well, we'll see if if the uh the collective weight of agriculture, those 50 groups can do anything to change the tenor of these negotiations. Mhm. Well, Delaney, I don't want to talk for too much longer since we do have a fun interview coming up for our Tech Tuesday discussion. So, what do you say? Should we jump into the markets? Well, let's do it, Mike. All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, you can get in touch with the guys at Zaner, guys and gals at Zaner, put a marketing plan in place and stick to it by giving them a call at 312-277-0050, or you can visit them on the web at zaner.com and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. In the grains, we've got a little bit of green today in corn and soybeans. March corn up one and a half cents at three eighty-five and a half. The May contract up one and three quarters to close at three ninety-three and a half. In soybeans, January was up three cents at nine oh seven and three quarters. The March up two and three quarters to close the day at nine twenty and three quarters. Looking at Chicago wheat, a little bit of weakness today. The March contract was down two and a half cents at five thirty-two and three quarters. The May down two and a half as well to finish the day at five thirty-nine and a quarter. Looking over at the world of livestock, we've got green in the cattle complex today. December live cattle up 75 cents at 119.7750. The Feb contract up a dollar oh two and a half to finish at 122.5750. In feeder cattle, the January contract up 82 and a half cents at 146.20. The March up 97 and a half, finish the day at 144.30. And weakness in lean hogs. The February contract was down a dollar seventeen and a half to close the day at 62.65. The April down a dollar fifteen to finish at sixty seven eighty two and a half. Quick look at the dairy market. Ooh, a little bit of strength today. The December class three milk contract was up a nickel at thirteen eighty five, with the January up ten cents on the day to close at fourteen thirty. For our hashtag Tech Tuesday discussion, we'll be talking with Joe Dales from Farms.com. For today's Tech Tuesday interview, we've got Joe Dale, who's the vice president and co-founder of Farms.com. Joe, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I'm looking forward to it. Joe, looking at Farms.com, there is a lot going on on this website. Explain to me kind of what this is for, what can producers or folks use this website for? What was the vision yeah, so we, we were, this is our 20th year in business. And when we started, uh, there wasn't very many websites. So you can see the URL farms.com we got early on. And we started out, uh, just, we're a bunch of farm kids and we wanted to build, uh, information, um, and tools that farmers and agribusiness could use. And so we started out with farms.com being a, starting out being a, a news and information and markets and weather. And then over the years, we've added more, um, you know, more tools. So, uh, you know, we've got a pretty active uh, community um, component on the site for chat and for sharing. And then uh, we've just added more things like uh, agcareers.com, which is the, the human resource site uh, for, uh, you know, for the industry and so on. So, 
we we try to build innovative products and services uh, for the agriculture and food sector and uh, I encourage our team to help farmers every day with information and tools and and um, you know just in some small way we we feel like we're helping feed the world so it's pretty easy to get up in the morning and and we love this sector Absolutely. And it is, as Delaney mentioned, you've got a ton of information, a ton of content on the farms.com website. In 20 years of business, Joe, what has been some of the biggest changes you've seen as it relates to ag communication, specifically, yeah, obviously, on the Internet? Good question. Good question. So when we started, uh, everyone said farmers will never use computers. And and, uh, I kind of thought, no, I think they will. Um, And... uh, so flash forward from 20 years where, you know, uh, uh, nobody had Internet, nobody had computers. Now, uh, you know, if you're at a farm show and everybody's got their smartphone in their pocket, you know, they're they're engaging with media and they want it, uh, you know, on their phone. And so, uh, um, you know, things like, uh, you know, if they're checking out information, they'll, uh, you know, they'll use Twitter, they'll use They'll use YouTube, um, you know, more and more are using podcasts as a, as a mechanism. So the phone's a really tremendous enabler for, for digital media. And, um, you know, I think we're just getting started. I, I think there's still a lot more that can be done. Um, and, uh, you know, the technology keeps evolving every day as we, as we, you know, take advantage of new technologies and bring them to agriculture. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, Mike and I know firsthand with podcasting, it's slow to adopt sometimes technology. But looking back at when you first started Farms.com, as you mentioned, that a lot of people were using the Internet, especially probably not in the farming community. Why or how did you decide to make that leap into using this platform when not a lot of people were using it at the time? Good question. So, um, somebody showed it to me early on, and I, I, my first part of my career, I worked for the, the seed and the crop protection companies and in marketing, and so I've always loved the innovation. And um, somebody showed me this thing called the internet, and I thought, man, this this has huge opportunities, you know, for the person, uh, you know, in in South East Iowa that now all of a sudden has access to the the knowledge and the libraries of the world and maybe down the road to the markets of the world. And so I thought it was just a great enabler, and, um, you know, I, I thought it was worthwhile. And so we started out building websites for companies, and we did a lot for a lot of the big companies. And when we weren't busy programming, you know, we built sites that we thought farmers would like. And we tried just about everything. A lot of them didn't work because we were so early. But because we were fairly patient and passionate about agriculture and food, you know, we, we just kept working away at it and, and uh, you know, built the company out, uh, you know, one brick at a time. So uh, so I, I think it was just kind of having that vision and, um, you know, and, uh, and testing and experimenting uh, to see what worked and, and what didn't and, uh, and a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work. Well, and this is a great segue. Farms.com is more than just the Farms.com website. You guys have a number of other publications. You've got other websites. Can you talk us through what other products yeah. you've been able to bring into the market? Yeah, yeah. So so Farms.com is our main site, so everybody knows that, and we have a lot of traffic on there. But over the years, we've acquired a few uh, print magazines. 
because we wanted more writers. We wanted more content. Um, we brand extended into uh, uh, software. So uh, our Pick Champ group is, is based in Ames, Iowa, you know, on the Iowa State uh, University Research Park. And so we sell um, pork production software all around the world. Um, we, one of the first sites that we did was agcareers.com, which has grown to be the largest uh, human resource job website uh, in the world. And, uh, you know, on any given day, there's, you know, five, six, seven thousand jobs in agriculture. And uh, that group, uh, that group we started, you know, from scratch and has grown really well. And um, we brand extended into a few other uh, career websites like uh, Careers and Food and Careers and Grocery. And um, a couple of years ago, we acquired a company in England called DeLacy, which, you know, provides some more um, ag human resource uh, services. And so, uh, you know, the business has just matured up nicely. And, um, you know, we've got offices in Ames, Iowa, as I said, uh, Springfield, Missouri, uh, Clinton, North Carolina, um, just outside of Atlanta and Georgia. Um, a couple up in Canada, uh, one in England, and then uh, uh, in in Asia, uh, India actually. So you know we've, we've grown nicely, all kind of trying to be innovative and and as I say, help farmers and agribusiness, you know, with innovative uh, solutions. So wow, we it up and try to have a little bit of fun with it every day. And uh, and as I say, you know, it's a it's a great sector. I I'm you know I'm blessed. To, uh, to be able to work with farmers and agribusiness all day. Yeah, absolutely. That is so neat. So I guess we talked a little bit about the technology as it pertains directly to like online internet websites, etc. But walk us through some of the technology that you've seen that you've talked about or that you've employed or, or have highlighted throughout your website. I mean, what's coming that you're most excited about for ag tech in general? Yeah, so so I've been spending a fair bit of time on precision agriculture and and uh, some of those uh, new technologies that are coming, you know, coming to farmers. Um, and then you know some of the big players like uh, like Climate have made major investments. So you know we have a lot of the, the bigger companies uh, uh, coming up with some just fabulous innovations, uh, both on software and then leveraging you know data. So couple of trends that I'm watching is just, you know, the, the proliferation of data, you know, there's data coming from everywhere. And as we get everything connected to the, the internet and the cloud, you know, is there value in some of that data? And I believe there is not all the data will be valuable, but you know, some of it could be, and it, it could just help farmers make better decisions on, you know, uh, you know, picking hybrids or picking uh, soybean varieties, um, you know, and just, we didn't have access to all that data before, and now it's it seems to be that there's data coming from everywhere. And there's yeah. just the sensor sensor technology as well. You know, it's you're getting cheaper and we're connecting with everything. So those are a couple of areas that I I think are are going to be game changers down the road. I got to ask you, Joe, as a person who is incredibly disorganized. With all of this data coming into our possession, how are we going to manage it? Have you seen any mm, yeah. tools or Good things question. available that allow us to do it better? Yeah. So, the, the, as I say, the big companies, the, the Climates and the Cortevas within Circa, 
you know, the and John Deere, those guys are doing a good job of of uh, taking data, starting to um, you know manage it for uh, for the farmer and make it really easy so that you know maybe on your phone you can access it and uh, and you don't have to do all the work. You just kind of can um, figure out what it means on your farm or on your acre. So I think some of that's happening. And then we have a whole group of new companies that are coming up with innovative ideas. And and so, you know, I, I'm pretty excited about, you know, how that will be. And I, I think it's going to be fairly, um, you know, the first few stages of the Internet, there was a lot of challenges for farmers to even get on with dial-up. And we had to do a lot of different steps. You know, today now with your phone, a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of touches and you know you learn over time how to do you know how to use google and use use uh, some of these tools so so i think they'll get easier over time as as the the businesses mature you know and as uh, people get educated and so it should you know hopefully enable you to make better decisions you know on your farm or in your agribusiness I hope so. And and Joe, I need to ask as well, it is the holiday season. Of course, we've got all kinds of gifts being given this time of year. One of the most popular gifts, and they're now getting to be very affordable, are drones. Have you seen anything that allows a drone to really provide a direct ROI to an operation yet? Yeah, so there's a few of the, the really com- the companies are starting to get better at the software and you know, improving the imagery and the drones. Um, uh, there's a company that I like called uh, Devron UAS, and I know they've been working on case studies, uh, everything from, you know, understanding, uh, you know, crop stress so you can get out there and scout in different parts of your field. Uh, I know they were, you know, even looking at uh, detection of weeds, detection of diseases and so on. So, I think the drone uh, technology is one exciting one. And then if you combine that with some of the satellite technology, you know, um, it's hard to scout a 300-acre field. But if you know where there's some hot spots, you know, you can maybe get out there and figure out what's going on and, uh, and uh, you know, protect your crop. So, um, yeah, I do like the drones and I like the sensors. They're, the first few early stages were more for toys because, you know, you were looking at uh, – you know, images of your farm and, and, you know, I love those beautiful uh, YouTube videos where, you know, you're out harvesting and you get, you know, buzzed by the, the drone and those are beauty shots. So, so I think as the technology gets better and the sensors get better, there's going to be some great opportunity there for, uh, you know, for uh, saving time and, uh, and finding where the problems are. Absolutely. Joe, before we let you go, Obviously, we've got farms.com, but are there any other platforms? Do you guys have an app? Are you on social media? How can folks yep. interact yep. with you? Yeah, so on Twitter, uh, uh, Farms News is our major Twitter account. And I think across all our Twitter accounts, uh, you know, we have about 140,000 followers. Um, almost all the, uh, you know, all the, uh, the platforms, whether it's YouTube or uh, Twitter, you know, just type in farms.com or agcruise.com and you'll find all our platforms. And we, uh, yeah, we try to, to try to make it easy for farmers to find, uh, find the information and, and, uh, you know, hopefully help them save time and money on, uh, in their operation. Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for your time today. We certainly appreciate it. Yeah, real pleasure meeting you guys. 
Well, there we go, Delaney. Good discussion. Good things to think about here as we head into the uh, holiday weekend. Hopefully folks will have some downtime and they can do some reflecting about uh, what kind of precision ag they could be utilizing on their operations. Yeah, I'm just so impressed that he decided to use that platform and kind of transition to the Internet before he really knew it was going to be a big thing. Yeah, 20 years ago. I mean, that's 1998, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 20, Man. 25 years ago, I think he said. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Gosh, yeah, I'm thinking, what was I doing in 1998? I was in, uh, what was I, 8th grade? I was in, uh, you know, preschool. Wow, you weren't even in kindergarten yet? No, I think I started kindergarten in 1999. Wow, you are a pup. That was like <laughs> yesterday. I know. Well, you still do have some valuable things to say from time to time. And if listeners want to get caught up on those valuable things you have said, Delaney, where can they listen to your thoughts and opinions on this podcast from past episodes? Oh, well, thank you, Mike. That's probably the best compliment I've ever gotten from you on air. Yeah, well, you're welcome. <laughs> it's the holiday season. <laughs> there I'm we go. Perfect. Well, if you're interested in giving your thoughts, feelings, recommendations, etc. for us, or you want to interact with us on social media, you can find us at Ag News Daily on Twitter and Facebook. Also, check out our new our new uh, profiles, Global Ag Network, on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. We're kind of starting to get those up to date here, but you can also interact with us on our new platform and home, globalagnetwork.com. With that, Mike, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.